0: When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exactly the exact time the star had appeared he sent them to Bethlehem and said go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him report to me so that I too may go and worship him after they had heard the king they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and then bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with gifts of frankincense, myrrh and gold. And have, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by, um, by en route.
1: That's fine. Thank you. Kim was a late ringing, so I really appreciate her reading that for us. And guys, isn't it awesome to have people who are talented in uh, singing and playing instruments and worshipping the Lord? It is so good, the talent that we have in this church, and uh, I've been abundantly blessed by um, our young people this evening, and uh, one Joe, and um... (laughs) it's good to be here. I have to say, this time of year is something I really appreciate, and whether I like it or not, uh, I revisit the incredible story of Jesus' birth and everything like that, and what Christmas is all about. So I have to focus afresh on that, and yes, that is part of my job. And so if I was to stand before you this evening and say, you know what, I've decided we're not going to do Christmas this year, so let's just sing one more carol, and let's just go home. Uh, I I think uh, most would be offended and I think that uh, many would be questioning uh, my future here at SDBC and rightfully so. But rest assured, it is a joy for me to be here and uh, I enjoy bringing God's Word to you and I love the fact that I'll be talking to you about what brings us together and that is the birth of this incredible baby and the work that he did while on this earth. What does Christmas mean for you though? And I want to speak to a few people who are gathered here this evening. You know, some of you, um, one of them maybe in the front row, may still have your head spinning because you work in retail. And, and you've had this wonderful time in the last few weeks. And yes, you've had a little bit of a celebration because of all the extra hours that you've worked and the extra money you get as a result of that. But in the midst of that, in the midst of those crazy hours, these last few days, even for some today... You've encountered something similar to a constant riot in your retail outlet. And you've encountered so many joyful customers. You know what I'm talking about. But, but think about these customers too. They've, they've got varied feelings as well. They've got all these things that they have to deal with. You know, they don't know if they should buy a particular gift for a particular member of the family. Uh, they're a little unsure of whether a certain acquaintance will actually buy them a gift this year. So, if they do actually buy them a gift, well, I should have a gift to return to them as well. So, should I buy that or shouldn't I buy that? Uh, there's also that situation where the credit card bill is a lot higher than they expected it to be. So, they're going to have to deal with that as well and then there's the car parks hey who saw my Facebook post yeah yeah seriously so awesome to be in car parks at this time of year I pack a lunch and a few other bits and pieces and I sit there and just put it in reverse every now and then sneak out put it back in the drive park the car turn it off people love me (laughs) you know what it's like don't you yeah And, and so people get so frustrated How's your neighborhood? You might be one of those people who's particularly blessed with that incredible light and music display right next door. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, it's that spectacular light display that strobes through your blackout curtains whether you like it or not. A bit like a searchlight. It goes on until about midnight so there's Buckley's chance of you actually getting any sleep at a reasonable hour. There's people walking up and down the footpath and tripping into your garden and those types of things and talking very loudly about how wonderful the lights are. And then there's people parking on your street You don't even get to park in your own parking space in front of your house. And all of this adds to the celebration of Christmas. It's a great time of year. And then there's family. Your immediate family, the extended family, and all those ring-ins. Christmas is happening at your place this year, and that brings no extra attention at all, hey. Hey there's all these expectations placed upon you there's certain things that must happen and so the standards are quite high there should be all sorts of food and refreshments and there's particular people who only eat certain things and only drink certain things and you're expected to know all this but somehow you always forget someone or something and things go a bit pear-shaped then those there's those other relatives too hey you know the ones i'm talking about you don't get on with them so well and because you work in retail and you haven't had time to get the required gifts that you should and you've got a massive light display next door to your house and you're not sure whether you're going to cope or not with uncle bob this year then there's the flip side this year covid-19 means there's going to be spaces at your table this year and you want those spaces filled by those who you dearly loved and your heart aches for this time of year which is the only time you get to see these people. This is our Western Christmas and I haven't even mentioned all the mums and dads who are hoping that this will only be a 10, 15 minute message so that they can get home and construct those gifts with all those missing parts that they need to have right for the kids tomorrow. The mums will be putting the finishing touches on so many things for the meals that will be enjoyed as well and the sad thing is for many of us it's these things which draw the maximum attention for us the food the gifts all those things are the things that cause us stress people lose sleep over it they have arguments over it and all of it all of it has nothing to do With what we choose to call the real meaning of Christmas. So, right now, I want to ask you if everything was stripped back, if everything was put aside, the expectations, the obligations were no longer there, what are the absolute essentials for you for Christmas? Think seriously. It's a question only you can answer. What does Jesus' birth really mean to you right now? Let's pray. Father, I thank you afresh that you've spoken to me through this word and you've caused me to refocus on what really matters. And Lord, my desire is that people will understand what you've said to me. I I pray you'll just give me clarity of thought as I speak So that the message you've given me will be clear to them as well. And that they'll have this freshness in their relationship with you as they leave this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when I ask you, what does Jesus' birth really mean for you? The expected response for us... As Christians, is there's this incredible joy. I have this great disposition at this time of year because I just think about Jesus and he gives me so much joy and I want to express my thankfulness and appreciation for Jesus constantly. The fact that he stepped into this world so we could ultimately have a relationship with him, his heavenly Father and Holy Spirit. But what is our real response? And let's look at some of those things. Or some of those people I suppose who were and weren't around the manger at that time way back then and first up I want to talk about the shepherds and these guys are not mentioned in the passage that we read this evening but when you look at the gospels there's only two accounts that are extended of um, the birth of Jesus and so when we go over to Luke we read that these guys were out in their fields doing their things they're shepherds they look after sheep and so they were making sure that their sheep were not disturbed by anything, that they weren't attacked, and that they were kept safe. And then these angels appear, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. As is typical when humanity is exposed to God's glory, the first reaction is great fear. And it's no different for these guys. God's glory shines all around them, and they are filled with great fear. And the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord." I'm not sure what you think about when you think upon angels, but for me, they're these incredibly exalted, all-powerful beings. It's incredible what they are. They stand in the very presence of God. They serve Him only, and they do His bidding, whatever He says, they do. And they're constantly praising Him. They're constantly worshipping Him. They're constantly glorifying Him. And mankind is a little lower than the angels. And amongst mankind are these guys called shepherds. And shepherds were seen as some of the lowest in the pecking order of humanity. And yet it's to these men that the announcement of the birth of Jesus comes. The most magnificent appears to the most lowly. And the words used are not trivial either. It is a saviour who is born. Now now when the people of that day actually heard that word saviour, they don't think about... A savior, as we do. A savior was a word that was used in their culture for doctors, rulers, philosophers. Um, all of those people were actually considered saviors. And so, the thing here, the thing that God wants to point out, and what is clearly set apart with this baby, is what is said next. Here's the savior who is Christ the Lord. The Christ is the anointed one of God and even these shepherds would have made that instant leap to to take that to mean that this is the promised Messiah and what is said makes it so clear that this child is the one who will deliver God's people, he will save them, it's this baby who will do that. And as we read Scripture, it's like the angel knows the heart of men because he doesn't tell these shepherds to go, but his language indicates that they will. And the angel says, you're going to recognize him. So obviously they're going. They can't recognize him if they don't go. You will recognize him because he will be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And there wouldn't be too many newborn babies in a place like Bethlehem at that time, in such humble surroundings. We're told in Luke that a host of angels then appeared praising God and then they returned to heaven and the shepherds were left in the fields again. And these shepherds, they had obligations, they had to look after their sheep and they had to make sure that they were safe from robbers and beasts and wandering off and hurting themselves and things like that. But in light of what they've just been told, in light of what had been revealed to them, they forget all of that. And what do they do? They went with haste and they found Jesus just as the angels said they would they can't contain their joy and wonder at everything that has happened and verses 17 and 18 of Luke tell us that they told many people or it's clear that they told many people about what they had experienced and what had been said to them by the angels and then as they returned to their fields later that evening after speaking with so many people they only had one response glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was exactly as it had been told to them. And in this mix are these other guys and we call them the wise men. And we're back to the Bible reading that we had tonight and in the first verse uh, that was read, we're told about these guys. And uh, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And unlike the well-known Song, um, there most likely wasn't three of them and they definitely were not kings. Uh, In actual fact, there was possibly 12 to 14 of these guys and they would have had a massive entourage with them as well. And uh, the earliest historical records indicate that it was somewhere around 12 to 14 people. And these are the Magi. And these were men who would have been leading figures in the religious courts of their country. They would have used different forms of scientific, diplomatic and religious practices in their work. And they loved astrology. They were constantly looking to the stars. And it was on one of those nights when they were looking to the stars that they noticed a new star, a star that they hadn't seen before. It arose in the east. And they knew and believed that to be a work of God. And it seems they were prompted to seek out their scrolls and with their collective knowledge and wisdom, they find out what this could be. And remember, in Daniel 2.48, it says that Daniel was made the chief prefect of the wise men of Babylon. And that occurred when Daniel was actually um, in exile in Babylon and after he translated the king's dream. And so he was made the chief prefect over these guys. So he would have been teaching them about the promised Messiah. And so that would have been handed down. These wise men would have been students of their religious forefathers and they would have heard about this king of the Jews from Daniel's original words. And I don't know what they would have been doing from day to day, but they considered this baby as important. They dropped everything they were doing and set off after him. And they considered this child to be a king And they realized he was no ordinary king. He had been prophesied about. They knew creation had responded to his birth because they had seen his star. It is his star. And so they come because they believe this child king is worthy of their dedication and time and efforts and their generous gifts. They came to worship him. And when they left King Herod, perhaps a little confused that he seemed a little unaware of what was happening, this unprecedented event in his area. They saw the star and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into their house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And this scene is incredible. I want you to think about what is going on. As said, these guys don't know much about who this newborn king is. They know he's the king of the Jews. And they know that he moved heaven and earth because they've seen his star and they've seen so many miraculous things and heard about things. But they come with no expectation of how Jesus will be living and who he will be with. And they come into this house. Jesus is a toddler at this stage. And the incredible thing is, this house would have been a one-room house at the most, two rooms. If it was a two-room house, the second room would have been used to house the animals. If it was a one-room house, there would have been a corner of the house set aside to house the animals. It would have had a pounded dirt floor. Mary and Joseph wouldn't have been able to afford any more. And these guys, 12 to 14 of them, in all of their finery, with all of their riches, with all of their entourage, roll up in this town of maybe a 1,000 people, a village, really. And they walk in and they see this baby Jesus... Have you got this image in your mind? In fact, the 12 to 14 couldn't even fit in the house. It wasn't possible. But when they see the baby Jesus, they throw themselves on the ground in all of their finery. They're in the dirt, face down, worshiping baby Jesus. The word that is translated worship here means to prostrate, prostrate oneself in homage. It's a worship that is reserved for a deity. It's worship that God alone deserves. Here are these wise men, Gentiles, not Jews, Gentiles, religious astrologers, worshipping Jesus, the King of the Jews. It's ironic, isn't it? And the question we should be asking is, where are the Jews? And we've got this guy called King Herod. I'm not sure if you're aware but uh, King Herod, he was actually um, half Jewish and half Idiomian and this is an issue because if that's his heritage, he isn't the rightful heir to that throne, he couldn't be and so he was given this throne, he was appointed by Caesar as the king of the Jews and he was ruthless in holding on to this throne. We, we heard from Jeff Ireland some of the stuff that he actually did but King Herod was so concerned about losing power that he killed his own sons, he slaughtered his wife who was possibly the only person on earth that he actually loved and he killed anyone who would threaten to take the throne from him. So paranoid was he about holding on to his rule and reign and he hears the news about this newborn king and he's troubled and when he inquires of the chief priests and scribes and they confirm that the prophet Micah said that this king would come 700 years previously and that he would be born in Bethlehem and King Herod sees all that he has as being threatened by this new king and he's suffered a great deal he sacrificed much for the role that he has and he isn't about to let anyone not even a little child ruin that And he tells the wise man that he too would like to worship the king, so go find him and then return to me and let me know where he is so I can go also. But it isn't worship that he's thinking of. It's destruction. He wanted to kill this legitimate king and protect what he foolishly thought was his. And we know the heartache and anguish that Herod caused in slaughtering all the babies in Bethlehem that were born around that time. And then there's this other group that we'd expect to be all over this. These are the chief priests and scribes. We're told in Matthew 2, 3, that on the inquiry of the wise man to King Herod about the king of the Jews, Herod and all of Jerusalem were troubled. Think about what's going on, even when these guys come to Jerusalem and see Herod. Again, this incredible entourage arrives with great pomp and ceremony, no doubt. And this is not a normal situation. And they come speaking of supernatural signs, confirmation of Scripture, and they've travelled at least 1600 Ks to get to where they are. And they've got this burning desire to worship this one who is King of the Jews. Bethlehem is about 8 Ks from Jerusalem. And you'd think these religious leaders would be excited about the news of the promised and long-awaited King. But they didn't even go and see him. I wonder why. It's the chief priests and scribes that Israel trusts to know and to educate them about significant and important events. And news of the long awaited Messiah should be right at the top of the list. They have taught about him, they have encouraged people to pray and long for him, they are aware of the signs concerning him. And think of when Herod asked where he would be born. These guys didn't need to run off and check the scrolls, they knew and yet they failed to act in an appropriate way to this knowledge. And If they had they would have recognized their real king and hastened to Bethlehem. Why didn't they? We can only speculate but I think it's fair to say these guys enjoyed the position of authority that they had and they were not willing to give that up either. Perhaps they knew that's what Scripture said. But they'd formed their own ideas about how Messiah should come. And so even though Scripture confirmed that this Jesus was the promised one, they basically said, well, this doesn't fit with what we believe is going to happen with our preconceived ideas. So they didn't bother about it. But the bottom line here is they've been talking the talk. But when their comfortable lives are challenged... When they need to make a stand, they fail to honour God and His word. So, what's this all mean to us? Can I just ask you to think about what has occupied your mind for the last few days? I don't need you to answer to me, I don't need you to call your answers out. But let's be honest with ourselves. Can we honestly say that in these last few days, the first and foremost thing in our minds has been the incredible announcement that the angel made. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. The good news that was given to the shepherds on that day is still good news for us today. Amen? And it is news that should move us to action. Tomorrow is the day that we choose to celebrate the birth of our Saviour. He entered this world to die for you and for me. He's the promised Messiah. Literally, the anointed one who would fulfil all of the prophecies spoken of him and redeem or save us from the consequences of our sin it is news that should stir our hearts afresh and cause us to reflect on the manger once more and we should come with words of praise, words of thanks words of adoration and wonder awe and so many other expressions of worship that our king is so worthy of the shepherds were compelled to go and see for themselves leaving their sheep and they found Jesus just as it was said about him And they left that encounter with Jesus, praising, worshipping and honouring God. The wise men came over 1,600 kilometres, believing something significant had happened. And they travelled a great distance, believing this was the one born King of the Jews, worthy of the lavish gifts and praise. And they didn't consider his lowly appearance when they found him. They had accepted him for who he was even in such humble surroundings. And they flung themselves on the ground, counting this child as much greater significance, much higher stature than themselves. He is king. And they saw themselves as subject to him. The question is, have you come to that point? Have you been willing to humble yourself before this king The one who still reigns at God's right hand right now. The one who intercedes for each one of us. Have you accepted him as your Lord and Saviour? I believe God is calling people even tonight. And I just want to ask, do not resist the Lord. He knows you. He knows all that you've done, the good, the bad, and the incredibly ugly. And he still calls you. He values you. He loves you. And he has this incredible desire that you will acknowledge that Jesus was born on this earth, that he lived a life fully as a man, but perfect. And then he died in my place. He died in your place. So your sins could be forgiven, all of them. None are exempt. And in so doing, he made a way for me and he made a way for you to be united with God once more. Don't delay. Come to the Lord tonight we and the angels on heaven will celebrate even if one comes to the Lord this evening. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, the wise men dedicated themselves, their time, their effort and their gifts to worship Jesus. What has taken our time, our dedication, our effort, And our gifts. Have we been so caught up in all that has to happen for Christmas that we've forgotten to give time to the one that Christmas should be all about? I want you to think about the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10. And Jesus, and no doubt his followers, Uh, We're at Mary and Martha's house, so there's quite a large group of people there. And Martha was busy with all the preparations. She was trying to make sure that everyone was provided for. And and in itself, that's not actually a bad thing. And, And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She wasn't helping Martha. And Martha was troubled and anxious about many things. That's what the Word tells us. And Mary is like a sponge at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching, taking it all in. I think many of us, guys included, are so often like Martha. We're worried about so many things and they have nothing to do with Jesus. The real reason that we should be celebrating at this time of year. Let's choose the good portion. Let's be found around the manger this Christmas focused on he who was born King of the Jews, our Lord and Saviour. And my question is, will you gather there with me? Will you stand in awe and wonder at this Christ child who was given for us at this time? Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the wonder of your word. I want to thank you for how it challenges and encourages and equips us. And Lord, I want to thank you for this word that you've given me tonight. And Lord, I pray by your grace and power that people have understood the message, that, they, that all of us, Lord, have been challenged afresh. And the Lord, our desire will be to draw closer to you. Father, if there's anyone here who is sensing you calling them for the first time or sensing you calling them to recommit their life to you, I pray they'll come forward after this service, Lord. And me and whoever hears about it will celebrate as the angels in glory will. Father, we are your people. Please remind us and help me, help us, to bow before you this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.